Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 12.30 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello. Hello. Good day. Good day. So I think Lisa is, is ready to go, but I figured maybe we'd do a little announcement since we really don't usually have guests on here. So, oh yeah. So the announcement is we, um, we, how do I report people? (laughs) Hold on. Uh, I'm doing it right now. Okay. I reported. Um, Oh, cool. And then I'm just going to remove. That's cool. Um, so generally speaking, I'm, I've got a new plan to just ignore people who are, who are not being kind on, on these. That's just my new plan. Okay, good. I have I another report, plan. Uh, oh, you have another plan. Cool. <laughs> a little more aggressive and probably the problem, but anyways. I like it. So, so we welcome have to Purely OCD. Yeah, welcome. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to Purely OCD. Uh, We have two guests today who are all the way from the other side of the pond. Mm -hmm. So uh, Emma, the anxiety whisperer, and Lisa, the simply anxious, anxious, not the simply anxious. And we're going to be chatting with them. And uh, I'm going to pose a topic to the, the four of us to discuss and we have, I think, some questions. Feel free to add questions into the question mark box if you have them. And you'll know the topic here shortly and try to keep it on topic. So without further ado, I'm going to invite our guests to join. Except, hopefully that worked. TBD. We'll see. Hello. Hi. We've got, Hello. Oh, we've got the four of us now. That's hey. fantastic. How are you? Hi, ladies. Good. Ah, really good. Thank you, ladies. How are you guys doing? Doing good. fantastic. Yeah. Good. You look amazing, as always. Oh, oh you're so sweet. I feel, yeah. I feel like I need to lower my camera so I'm at the same height as Kelly. It's bothering me. I'm just going to do that real quick. <laughs> that's that's te- technical information. I'm also wearing purple, and for everyone's, you know, fun fact, I usually wear black. Yeah. Only. Oh, I mean, so, exclusively. But- I'm definitely yep. making things spicy today with you gals. <laughs> you are. Purple. Keeping, I've got this purple cabbage yeah. in behind me. Nice. Well, my whippets, I fed them on boiled liver. So they're a bit, they're a bit drunk on food. Good. <laughs> so they're nice good. and quiet. That's yeah. wonderful. They're so cute. They are so cute. So 
Yeah, go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to say that, I, you know, one of the things that Kelly and I briefly talked about beforehand was maybe discussing um, OCD and anxiety disorders and maybe the similarities and any differences we may see. Um, we've got, you know, a mix, a good mix of lived experience and, and uh, psychological uh, training here. So I feel like we could probably, you know, talk a fair amount about that. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Where are we started? Well, uh, why don't we start with introduce it it, like, because we kind of introduced you, but I want, you know, anything that you feel it's important to introduce in yourselves, I would be, I think that'd be a great place to start. Okay. Off you go, go Lisa. All right. So I'm the only one here who isn't qualified. I'm not a professional um, mental health person in any way, shape or form. What I am is someone who suffered with anxiety and panic for 20 years. Um, A lot of those years I suffered in silence and then I got sick of suffering in silence and I started to raise awareness. I did that for, it'll be 10 years now. So I've got a lot of experience in sort of networking within the mental health community, Mm -hmm. um, meeting people from all walks of life, learning the facts not the myths and not the stigma myths and not what the anxious mind tells you either um so yeah I think I'm in a good sort of place in my life now I've recovered from my anxiety disorder I'm currently doing a lot on self-esteem so Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful actually for the trolling because that's helped me face another Mm -hmm. challenge and get through it Hmm. so that's me in a nutshell and one thing that Lisa won't tell you about is the fact that she's got a very lovely medal don't you a medal I got, I got an honours from the Queen um, oh no big deal honestly. yeah that's yeah. like being knighted okay <laughs> like, what? Um, Dame Lisa okay whatever it's awareness. fine no what is the work I did in raising awareness voluntary work um, wow. just to try and get mental health in parity with physical health. And, you know, we're all human beings. We've got a brain and an an emotional, um, not emotional, and a nervous system and society and life wears the shit out of it. So we Mm. get ill. Yeah. Um, And we've had no, well, well, I had no sort of knowledge about how to look after my mental health. I didn't even... I think a lot of people don't until you actually start suffering. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wanted to try and change that and get preventative measures in place and make employers more sort of mental health friendly and supportive. And uh, yeah, I got a medal. So thanks for that. That's amazing. I congratulate that, Emma. Sometimes it's difficult to blow your own trumpet. So I'll always give it a toot for you. Yeah, toot, toot all you can. Toot away. I haven't had my trumpet blown for years. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good trumpet blow. <laughs> so thank you. Oh thank That's you. Awesome. And I can I just say too that you know it's uh, yes you're the only one who doesn't have maybe the the uh, you know formal education experience and 
lived experience is a hugely important component of this discussion, yeah. right? Like it informs yeah. it so much. And so you bring a really important vantage point Thank to the you. table. Thank yeah, you. definitely. We've just been asked, where is the conversation going? And I think probably I'll just do a really quick sort of in background. Sorry. That's no. all right. No, 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 no. It's not. No, sorry. It's not. I, I'm just going to give a, um, a, my name is Emma Garrick and I work in, and live and play in Scotland and I am a psychotherapist and I have um, lived experience with various forms of anxiety but also OCD. So I work with people who have particularly stubborn forms of anxiety and I help them using lots and lots of different um, therapies. I'm kind of a a holistic um, practitioner. And we all met because we have this overlap into this world of OCD. And um, we just all pulled together, didn't we, at some Mm -hmm. point? And that's how we all know each other. Yes. Yeah. So... Today's topic is anxiety disorders and how they look like OCD or how they are common with OCD. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, and how they dovetail into one another, similarities, differences between them from both. Because I think I, I think I'm not speaking out of turn by saying all four of us have lived experience with both OCD and anxiety disorders, arguably part of the same category. And um, and then also, of course, we have the the uh, vantage point of the clinical experience too. Yep. Yeah. So with that being said, how about we start with Emma? (laughs) So you said that you um, work with people who have particularly stubborn types of OCD and anxiety. Can you tell us what that means or like what's the crossover that you commonly see that makes it like that and makes it stubborn? A lot of this, a lot of the times, sorry, I'm getting a lot of messages. So if I'm going like this, it's just because I'm removing some messages from my phone. Okay. Um, a lot of the time, what I see is people who have struggled with anxiety throughout their life. And maybe they have pushed it away and for some reason it has gone away or maybe at some point they've gone on medication and this has resurfaced for some reason or another at some point further down the line but the actual work that we need to do to recover has not actually happened yet because the medication has kind of almost had too good of an effect of putting the symptoms on the back burner mm-hmm. So I see that quite a lot. The other side of this, for people that are having their stubborn anxiety, is that we just get very, very busy at times in our life. And sometimes we don't stop. And sometimes it's not until we are put on our knees that we stop and we actually start to take a look at ourselves and we start to think, well, actually, I've been flying by the seat of my pants for a long, long time. Yeah. And now's the time to actually take a good look at myself and do something about this. This has been a problem. Mm. And I've had people who have had those moments of, oh my God, this is what life without anxiety actually can be like. What is that like? Because I live with anxiety. <laughs> I feel like I'm just managed and not gone. Can I yeah. just say... 
can I just jump in there, Em? Because yeah. I did a post on this from my own experience that I think when we try to recover or overcome our anxiety or our, our anxiety disorder, we kind of try and fit it in with everything else going on in life. And life is so busy. It's mm. like everything else takes priority and you try and fit. You know, you maybe have your one session a month or every two weeks with a therapist and you try and fit your recovery into that. Sorry, they woke up. Um, and I, I got to a stage where I thought, okay, I keep going around in circles here. I keep patching myself up. And then the minute I'm sort of patched, I go straight back into the environment that um, impacted my anxiety or triggered it until I became ill again. And then I follow the same pattern. And I'm not saying everyone does this, but I got to the stage where I thought I can't continue with my career because my career is actually keeping me in this cycle mm -hmm. um, because it was so sort of demanding and, and various other things. And so when I took myself out of that and focused on my recovery, it was a totally different ball game because mm -hmm. I didn't have to. Now I know, I don't know what the answer is because life is in your face you know, when jobs are in your face <laughs> and everything else is in your face. But you really do need time and and space to be able to recover properly, I believe. Um, mm. Otherwise, you do feel, sort of fall risk of just patching yourself up and like I did. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's what well, I, I thought. I don't think there's any right or wrong here, but I, I think that you are making some really good points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and going back to Kelly, when you said, well, what is that life without anxiety like? I have been riddled with anxiety at times in my life to the point where I just, I, I wasn't functioning as a human being. And I had mm -hmm. my, when I had my first child, that was one of those moments that I will never forget. But I have also had moments in my life where I have completely just forgotten what it's like to wake up in the morning with that dread that you feel in your stomach and that morning nausea and walking through your day as if you are plugged into the mains electricity sockets. Ooh, good and analogy. It is a very calm and peaceful place that I wanted to visit more. Mm. I guess uh, to to sort of follow up on on Kelly's question about it because I think it's an important one. I I think that 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 experience that you're talking about where you wake up and you think, "Oh, this is such a different experience than the one I've had before where I do feel like I'm I'm plugged into an electricity socket." Which um, we will now use forever. Forever. <laughs> and we will, that's, we're coining your term there. Yep, Don't worry. Emma Garrick, 20, <laughs> 2022. Um, but I think that that's really a side effect of recovery mm -hmm. that comes and goes. Because I have had plenty of days in my own recovery, and I see this for my clients all the time, where 
you feel that that current going through your veins and you you want to yeah. do all of the behaviors that that have historically been your go-tos and recovery i think is in yes it's beautiful to have those moments of peace do not get me wrong but i think it's oftentimes in in the cultivating of those moments and the the choice really to prioritize values. And I think that that actually goes to what you were saying, Lisa, is like at a certain point in recovery, the values have to take the, the front seat. Um, yeah. 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 Otherwise think, you'll keep going back. And I think I was, this, sorry, Lisa, carry on. No, go on. No, I was just, I was going to say that I was talking about this today in a session and we, we touched on the subject of, you know, the amount of grieving that you do when you're actually recovering yeah. during your journey with anxiety. And actually the grieving is part of you going back into those values and saying, actually, what, what had been getting done no longer. Actually, I, I recognize that that probably needs to be addressed or there needs to be a shift of some description yes. happening there. And with that, we then get that release of, oh, right, okay, let's climb another bit of this mountain. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, all I was going to say is with my recovery, it's, I still get anxious, but I yeah. no longer get triggered by getting anxious, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, you I, manage it, right? Yeah, I just, and, I, and, and so I don't trigger anxiety unnecessarily so what I mean by that is I don't trigger it because I don't want it to be here I don't want it to come or I'm scared it will come I don't have that um but I still get you know especially like visiting mum I always feel anxious before I visit my mum and then after um but that's just an emotion that I'm feeling because of the situation that I'm in so I think, I mean, I was talking to Emma about it earlier and it's like Emma says, when you have a broken arm, you still have an arm mm. when it's healed. It's like you still have a nervous system and part of that nervous system is anxiety comes. It just comes when it's meant to. You're not triggering it. And that's, that's how I, that's how it feels for me. I'm not saying that, you know, something may happen and, and it comes mm. up again, but I, it's losing that fear for me. And I did a lot of work in that. Well, right. Cause you suffer with panic, right. Which is kind of the, that's the most important thing to talk about when it comes to yeah. being okay with anxiety being there, because if you get scared that anxiety's there, that's a surefire way to get a panic yeah. attack. I can tell you. <laughs> I think it was with, for me, it was God that, that crippled me. Mm. Um, so the panic attacks, yeah, they weren't pleasant, they weren't great, but the, the gad, you know, that lingering sense of dread and doom, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. that is what, um, and someone put, how do you, you know, what happens if you've got kids? Well, well that was it, that's why I patched and patched and patched, because I was a single mum, so mm. I had to keep mm. going. Yeah, yeah, I there's no space. to actually... Yeah. Take my. But yeah, you can. It's just, it is a lot to do with unlearning. I, I, for me, it was. Yeah. Well, being, yeah, and so much more 
accepting of of the experience, right? It's so counterintuitive, though. Mm. But I can't comment on OCD because I've never I've never experienced it. Well, let's dive in a little bit more about how. I mean, the way Lauren and I talk about it and think about it is that anxiety is kind of on this continuum, right? It's we treat it very similar, GAD. And when you were saying GAD, for those of you who don't know the acronym, it's Generalized Anxiety Disorder. So a person is going to have, let's just for common verbiage, say like obsessions around real life stuff that's going on. Like, will my kid get into college? Am I going to pass my exams? Will this guy like me or not like me? Right. It's like, it's a, it's rumination over stuff that's really happening. Whereas OCD, it's very removed in a lot of ways. Right. Is like, um, what if in my sleep I'm walking and I stab my family? Is like there's a there's a jump in content a bit. Um, I don't know if you guys want to expand more on that, but that's I'm I'm good with that explanation. I just yeah, it's very themed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I will say that it gets blurry, as I think you would all agree as well. Because, sure, and I think most people with OCD also experience generalized anxiety disorder to some greater or lesser extent. Uh, not all, but uh, the vast majority will get caught up in that. I think what, from what you three said there, when I first started experiencing that anxiety and I was, I had it chronically for like eight months. Um, I had it for like 20 years, but the first experience of it, I did worry that I was, it was going to, overcome me and I'd end up stabbing everyone or me so when I went to I went to live with my parents I begged my mum and dad to hide all all the knives in the house so that was obviously OCD a, a symptom of OCD but then my anxiety went on to that kind of faded and it was more um anticipatory Mm -hmm. Rather yep. than, and I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew it, I thought it was something terrible. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm curious too, just from a lived experience perspective, do you, I think we put things in these boxes, right? Like, yeah. and you can kind of like look at, look back at your experience and say, okay, well that would probably be considered OCD and that would be generalized anxiety disorder. However, I'm curious about your experience of it. Did you experience that as something different or was it sort of a continuation with a different topic? I love it when you finish my sentences. (laughs) I had no idea it was OCD (laughs) until actually I started talking to Emma about me and my experience. Do you remember, Emma? And I Mm -hmm. said maybe I had OCD because I noticed that when my anxiety would peak, the gad would be like bad. I would, I'd, I'd think about suicide a lot mm-hmm. or I'd um, just become focused on, on my feelings a lot. And as it started to wear off, I would walk through a supermarket and if I read something half, I'd have to go back and read the whole thing. Mm. 
But when my anxiety levels, so I didn't do anything different than I would have to overcome my anxiety. I just did it all without putting that as, oh, I've got OCD now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it's only now that I'm actually thinking, oh, maybe I did have OCD. But I, I then see it, and I'm really sorry if this is not correct, is was it a symptom of the anxiety I was experiencing? We'll never know, but no, I think that that proves our point of like there isn't a box to put anybody no. in, no. and it's really common to see people who suffer with generalized anxiety disorder with the OCD. It is a continuum, it's like here they are, here's generalized anxiety, here's OCD, yeah. but like Lauren said, see. there's somewhere in between where it gets muddy too. It um, into each other. Uh, yeah, it? and panic is somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Health anxiety is in there as well. Phobias. Phobias. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, rare to see anxiety. someone. Right, and social anxiety. It's mm-hmm. rare to see someone come in and just be, I have one obsession. That's the only thing I'm worried about in life. The mm-hmm. end. I mean, they mm-hmm. might be hyper-focused on it being mm-hmm. that way. But if we take a big step back, there's usually yeah. lots of variations of their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I yeah. didn't, I've never had phobias apart from, I don't like walking over. I, w- I wouldn't like walking near a cliff <laughs> or over a bridge. And I remember going to California. I went yeah. That doesn't Hoover, sound like a phobia at all. I went to the Hoover <laughs> Dam and I looked oh, over that's... and I just, I, I said, we've got to go because I thought I was going to push, jump, jump. Like, jump. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Which even falls into like this is where it gets really messy because oh, yeah. is that a phobia? It's, is that OCD? Is that yeah, it's like it starts to really get it gets really messy. A box and a box and a box. Somebody so just boxes. said that sounds sensible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see? So I just oh. think it's um human beings, we get I don't think there's any we're damaged. I think we just something we react to the pressures in life and things that happen to us yeah or society in different ways and this is how the nervous system and the brain reacts yeah I think that actually (laughs) you what do you mean you're not qualified no because I I mean, Emma's had OCD and she was diagnosed with it, which Mm. is. But I think our point is that we're not putting anyone in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, It's like a crazy Russian doll situation after a while, you know, it just Um, keeps going. It just keeps Mm -hmm. going. I think bringing up and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, maybe Emma as well. Um, somebody had asked if it's, if it's possible to change your brain from a neurotypical brain or a neurodivergent brain to a neurotypical brain. And what a question. I know. Um, (laughs) And I have thoughts on it. I'm sure Kelly and and Lisa and everyone, but I, you know, wanting to, you know, hear a little bit more from, from you. Um, And I think it kind of speaks to this, this larger topic of, and I guess my, my handle, my Instagram handle probably gives it away that the obsessive mind, I, I think I have a, a clear bias here, but I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are. 
initially, well, what, what are we talking about when we're, when we're talking about neurodivergence? We're talking about something that we're typically calling that's falling outside of what we're, we would horribly call normal, regular, more how, common. How boring. Gross. And <laughs> actually... My mind. <laughs> and we've had a comment already in the... In, saying it's 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 okay to be neurodivergent and absolutely it's absolutely okay to be neurodivergent i am definitely neurodivergent <laughs> i am divergent i am we'll just start a campaign okay and and can we influence that a hundred percent um do we want to Yes, when it's distressing for us in our neurodivergence, I think. I ask the question, who, who decided what was normal? <laughs> I think when people start to get, like when you were saying, Lisa, is like when you hit rock bottom is I think when it starts to be like, oh, there's an issue, right? Because yeah. a lot of people have intrusive thoughts. A lot of people, the Whippets have a lot to say about this topic. They're very <laughs> vocal about this. <laughs> Are they? They're having a horrific wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I totally missed that. Oh my gosh. A whippet that's wrestle. What, that's my brain. That's what my brain sounds like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. That's what my brain sounds like on Friday too. Did it? I think that was the Wednesday for me. No, that was Friday and Saturday brain sounds for me, definitely. It's a good sound. Yeah. It was was Um, chewing over some stuff, definitely. They sound like gremlins. (laughs) But cute little gremlins. Gremlins are cute. Yeah, that's true. But the point being is that we all have these intrusive thoughts, right? Like actually research shows we have, everyone has intrusive thoughts, but it becomes a problem or divergent. Believe me, I don't, I don't want to prescribe to subscribe, excuse me. It's still Monday. Subscribe to this idea that there's normal versus not normal, but you know, there certainly is a line where people, you know, it, it gets in the way of their daily functioning so yeah yeah absolutely and I think um just to add in a little bit more about neurodivergence I'm definitely um I have ADHD (laughs) and you know there's yeah and there's um I see a lot of fear sometimes in the faces of some people when you come to talk about things like OCD and ADHD and um you know other classifications let's just call them that but they're really only names for clusters of symptoms and in my own mind it's just a a a way an umbrella that helps us classify things in my mind now Mm. I think there's like a question that I've heard being asked um are hyper sensitive people or highly sensitive people or are is ADHD just highly sensitive people or is anxiety just highly sensitive people yeah and I think somebody asked what is neurodivergent I think that the idea is that there is some uh, average that we might call 
typical for what's going on neurologically. And so, but to the discussion going on here, nobody fits that average because everyone is their own individual, but there are some people who are maybe closer to that, that quote unquote typical brain. And I think that, Oh no, I lost my train. It went away. Um, I know why it went away. Yeah. Um, where was I? What did I just say, guys? You just said went, about oh. neurodivergence yeah. and, and it, neurotypicals. And yeah. oh, I was going to say that to your point, Emma, and I, because I, I think maybe as a continuation, I still consider myself to be neurodivergent, even though I'm very much living in recovery. And it's because of the way my mind functions. Now I can watch it and I can navigate it in a way that supports my life better. But I have to understand the way that my mind works in order that it doesn't interfere with my ability to live a very big, full life. Absolutely. And I think that once you're aware of the, the, you know, the playground that you've got in your own head and Mm -hmm. you know how to navigate it, it, it doesn't, you can navigate it differently is what I would say. You find yes. different ways to climb over some of the, the challenges that you will face. And um, so Definitely. a lot of stress going on, a bit of um, disclosure here, a lot of, of um, stress going on um, behind the scenes at uh, headquarters in Scotland at the moment. Mm. Um, Friday, my head was jumping around. Saturday, the same. Intrusive thoughts were just coming. And, you know, I work with this. I've been here, I've been on my knees before, but you still, I just had to go back to that basic, let me just reset myself again. Let me just find my ground zero and get myself back to where I need to be again so that I can move on and I could recognise everything. And, you know, but that has taken years to get me to that place. Yeah. Lots of falling, lots of falling and getting back up. Yeah. Bandaged hands, scraped knees, broken open heads have to tie. You know, it it does take a lot of falling to get you to that place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, now I, you know, expectations for me, um, I had to learn and I'm still, you know, I still have to pull myself back now and again um, because you get sucked into them. But I think growing up as, as a, as the daughter, two brothers, you know, it was like everything was decided for me. I was like the, the daughter, right, that we needed protecting. And then I went into a career where even at a management level, everything's decided for you. You know, you have to behave a certain way. And so it kind of added to my, I kind of lost myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So my recovery has been the more I've got to know myself, the less anxious I've become Mm. and accept, you know, me for who I am. Um, It's a bit deep that, and I'm sorry. No, I love it. Yes, I love it. I think I'm 55 and I have to get to the place where I think, yeah. And luckily I'm I'm there at the moment. Um, So I just think it's, it's not sometimes it's not as simple you go to a therapist you sit in the room and you hope they're gonna um 
heal you. They guide you. They support you if they're good. I mean, I wish you guys were around years ago when I first started suffering. Um, because some of the numpties I did sit in a room with made me feel 40 times worse. Um, but I think it's yeah, same. Like, Brick, frickin' numpties, man. Want, <laughs> yeah, you know, textbook city. And it was like, yeah, great. Um, getting to know yourself, because a lot of the discomfort I found in me was me not being myself and trying to meet expectations. Yeah. Oh, and I, if I may just sort of like uh, do dovetail it. on that, I, I think part of it too, though, is when you have anxiety, you love the structure and you seek out the structure. The problem is then the structure turns on you. So if you're like, yeah. you get, like, it's very containing to be in a circumstance where it's like, everyone's telling you what to do and you're just yeah, trying yeah. to be like a good girl, right. Or a good boy or whatever, mm. good person. Um, and, and follow all the rules and check the boxes. Um, but then you lose yourself. But too. then you lose Absolutely. yourself and you become so ensconced in trying to, to do it right. That I found you... the relationships. Hmm. I went into relationships when I was strug- struggling. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, they were helping me and, well, I thought they were helping and, and it was great. But the minute I started getting better and feeling me, you know, I suffered with anxiety, but I'd still be bubbly and, you know, independent. And they didn't like that. And then the whole dynamics of the relationship at end. This is why I'm single with three whippets, because... <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I for me now, the first for me to go into a relationship now and never say never is it's got to complement my life, not complicate it. And and I'm not going into it thinking I need you because I don't need oh, anyone. Yes. You are so right. Preach it. But I've only just got here. <laughs> Trust me. I even dated someone who wrote who wrote <laughs> yeah. anxiety a successful anxiety book and hoping that he what a mistake that one. <laughs> so yeah it's down to you and you can do it yeah yeah how you want and, Lisa take your shoes off and bed yourself into that place for a wee while because it's a really nice place to be oh I, I love I love it mm-hmm. yeah and do you yeah. know everyone I meet walking dog walking I haven't met one person yet who hasn't said to me they've suffered with anxiety or depression and that's why they've got yeah Mm. a dog or you know they're out in nature Mm. so we're not alone guys no no not by a long shot but I don't want I think why I've done face but simply anxious is because I don't want people to wait till they're in their 50s like I did I want them to find you know the courage to be themselves and to peel away all the nonsense so that they don't have to suffer for as long as I did. Yeah, to begin to see all the the um all of the scaffolding that we hold on to, all the rules we try to to meet as a prison as opposed to a yes. safe safe keeping and to be willing to walk outside, which is terrifying. Don't get me yeah. wrong. <laughs> um and then when but when you walk out and you learn to be with that feeling, that's freedom. 
right? Yeah. That's, that's where it, it, that's where things get real. That's, that's what I, uh, my uh, sort of take on what you're talking about in terms of like, get, you know, getting your feet really in and snuggled yeah. into this experience that you're talking about, Lisa. Yeah. So Lauren, just out of curiosity, mm. the um, question that we sort of had a minute ago from you mm. was neurodivergent to neurotypical do you think that there is a change in I, what how did you phrase that uh, to understand because you you guys are always noodling things and I want to we see are. the noodle the noodle, the on noodle. <laughs> wait what does that mean <laughs> You're noodle. We're noodling things. That's so good. Another uh, great word. Thank you. I love. I'm gonna this. start writing these down. I, give us the noodle. I'm, st- I'm still mad that I lost my British accent because it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's really a shame. All of these real. I, it is a shame. It is a shame. Um, I I don't. I personally don't think that our brains change from neurodivergent to neurotypical. And I don't think that they should. I don't want mine to. I mean, sometimes I do. Don't get me wrong. There are moments that I'm like, I'm a hit therapist. (laughs) (laughs) You are. So wait, I don't understand. I'm sorry. Am I... I the what is a hit therapist? I think it, like, it, it, I think was, missing it was missing an S. It was missing an S. Oh, for nice. anyone who's but listening, after the fact, we're talking about there's a a whole uh, scroll of of people. She talking. is a hit. <laughs> and and anyway, somebody was trying to say something rude. There are all these lovely people saying these amazing things, but of course, yes. when somebody says something rude, and then yeah, typo for we get it wrong. Can I just for one second? I'm sorry. I can't. I I have to. I know you guys take the better road and you're like, oh, let's just ignore these people. That's fine. You're right. You should. But at the same time, they're bullies and I have a very hard time tolerating the behavior. It's gnarly for me to sit here and do nothing. They're actually paid by someone to do it. Wow. So somebody pays them over in India or somewhere. So okay. They, so it's like How sad. Just to sabotage lives from mental health lives. So the person who's doing it is just being paid, I don't know, 20 quid a month just for. I'm so curious as to well, why, like what they get out of it. They are blocked. Yes, we block them as they. Come but they in. just make a whole new handle, and it's by the way because because they that's what they do as their job. Apparently, they they've got all these emails set up. So I'm actually angry at Instagram for allowing it to be yeah. so easy to set up bogus accounts, yeah. and they're thinking yeah. about doing Instagram for kids. You know, we're adults well, and, it, and it can hurt. Imagine what it does to kids. That's what I'm saying is everyone says, let's ignore it. Well, if, if my child today, if the, if the teacher called and said, you know, everyone's bullying her and she's ignoring them, I would rip their throats out is what I would do. Mm. <laughs> and there's just, a, I think there's a time and a place but, for both. And call you that a neurodivergent brain? That is a neurodivergent <laughs> 
I wouldn't really, but I would take a stand. And if it was but, my friend, I would take a stand. So but I will stop now. Had, you done. know, the head of Instagram says, hi, ask me anything on a Friday. I Every week I do the same thing. When are you going to make it mandatory that people have to verify themselves because of this trolling? Yeah. And he never even responds. So yeah. And I get and when I do report it, I get messages back that say this has not violated their policies. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, he called me a shit, a scammer, um a this he he was um commented on one of our guests' sexuality, which is really awful. Uh, um, it's disgusting and, actually. And well, it's completely from- inappropriate. Completely. It it is disgusting. And at the same time, we don't want them to win, right? Like, (laughs) sorry, that's my fault. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. I just just mean, like, it has a time and a place. I I started it. (laughs) I can't. I can't. It's really hard. It's like if we're looking at it, it's like we're pretending like Instagram. It's like, oh, let's just ignore it. It's like it's the same shit, and it's happening to kids, and it makes me sick. Yeah, it's not Mm -hmm. okay. It's definitely not okay. We're here to help people. Um, I think one of the things, because I saw this come up, um, as, as we were talking about the, um, the whole trolls and everything, um, is the question of neurodivergence versus neurotypical. And just to, just to finish answering that person's question, I, I don't think that, um, it's, an important thing to move toward neurotypical. I think that actually learning how to navigate the mind that you have is way more important than trying to change your mind into something else. Because I don't know, I spent a long time trying to spend, uh, turn my brain into something else. And it, um, yeah, it just wasn't helpful. But how, I don't think it's possible. Mm-mm. That's what I think why it wasn't no. helpful. <laughs> Just because I was trying to do something that was not possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Right. And, and we spend our lives trying to do that until we get permission to stop. Yes. Well said. And, and this is your permission to stop. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you ladies a question then? Would you say oh. you can overcome OCD? Do you want to finish what you're saying, Emma, and then we can... There was just an interesting question that came up there that I think we need to address because it was on the subject of um, neuroplasticity. And I think, you know, we've maybe left some people hanging on the neurotypical and the neurodivergence. And then where does neuroplasticity fit into all of this? And I think um, that, oh, I'm trying to go back to it. Mm. Um, but I think that's probably a helpful thing for us to sort of just touch on quickly is that our brains are neuroplastic, which basically means that we can do things that can help us. Well, everyone says rewire your brain because it's probably the best way to imagine it in your head. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can. It means that we can influence behaviors and thoughts and things 
change right. patterns and be change patterns absolutely you can unlearn and learn new yeah but it doesn't change you you as a person your personality does it or it doesn't change the structure of our brain i think in the way that people are imagining between neurotypical and neurodivergent yeah Right, right. Neuroplasticity just refers to this idea that yeah. we can relearn new behaviors is yeah. what it Flexible. means. Yeah. yeah, that if you get a very uncomfortable thought or feeling, you can then relearn how you respond to it. Or you can yeah. learn that yeah. you put your seatbelt on before you start your car. It could be yeah. something basic so like that. It's not, the, it's not the point at which you can change from one brain into another. It's kind exactly. of what I think we just needed to be cleared on. That's yeah. not the role of neuroplasticity. Your noodle is still your noodle. Your yeah. noodle. <laughs> so that's the same old noodle. Same. It's like and it's still swimming about in that broth. It is. <laughs> you can unlearn a habit, they say, in, within three weeks. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I believe that. I unlearned how to stop smoking 12 years ago and I unlearned... Um, lots of things that were no longer serving me so yeah. yeah i don't know if you can unlearn ocd in three weeks though but <laughs> you no, can definitely but but is ocd a habit it's, then no well the response no, can't, well the response part is could be in some ways i guess an automatic because your brain's used to your brain's built to make to reduce as much calories as possible. Like it doesn't want to overuse calories. So it goes, oh, if we always do this, then we always do that. Because going yeah. another way actually yeah. calorically burns calories. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, yes. But wow. in the other respect is that we cannot change that we're getting intrusive thoughts, right? We cannot change that, but we can change how we respond to them. And that, that's mm -hmm. how we change the behavior. Right. I forgot what the question was. I'm sorry. My brain. I think the question was, you "Can you overcome anyway. OCD?" Ah, well, in a way, yes, you can overcome the impact that OCD has over your life, right? Mm -hmm. So by, but I think people think of overcome as like I'm going to move beyond that thing, right? And it's sort of like people within the realm of spirituality thinking that like some sort of enlightenment is going to lead you to move beyond all of the issues that exist here on this planet when quite the contrary, it's learning how to live with yeah, what's going on. Uh, Ram Dass likes to say that, or liked to say that uh, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family, right? <laughs> so I, I think same, same goes. You're not like overcoming OCD isn't about, about leaving anything behind in the the dirt it's about learning to be with those things and not letting them be at the helm of the ship yep yeah yeah and you can you can live a normal boarding life with ocd <laughs> can't you i mean again with the language it's really killer we need to talk more <laughs> it's like well normal boring what, what do you want you know you 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 can find joy in your life even if you have a diagnosis of ocd or you have symptoms of ocd and you learn how to work with that in your noodle 
Yeah, it's probably not going to always be boring in here in the in the noodle. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! But but it might appear quite quite boring and normal on the outside yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been asked what our zodiac signs are. Oh. <laughs> Guess. I'm at- Oh, go on. <laughs> I'm Aries. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Libra. Mm, okay, okay. My girl over here is a, a Pisces, right? Shocking. Yeah. I know. Are you? Really sensitive. Uh, yeah. I'm and I'm an Aqu- Aquarius, so we're all different. Oh. <laughs> I, I think the one on the bottom right is a Capricorn. <laughs> You Emma. know what the bo- the bo- the top left is right there as being a Capricorn though, right? I'm not right. too far off. Can yeah. I just say the top right on my screen? Yes. Is me. What? Oh, that's I'm, my I know. I'm I'm the top right. I'm the top no, I'm left lying. on my screen. Oh, oh no. wow! Oh, See, this Lauren's is... the top left. That's me too, and you're my top right, Kel. <laughs> oh shoot! Now we're really noodling our brains here. Here's a story. <laughs> Of a lovely lady. I think. I think it's good that we get to. T- I love this talking openly, you know, because I. It just takes me back to when I used to have to go to the library because there was no internet to kind of understand what was happening to me, and so this kind of um, conversation always gets me mm. because. You know, I just hope there's one person out there. Well, I hope there's loads, but if it helps just one person, it's so awesome. Yeah, it is you know? cool. And, and the way that we're so open about our own experiences, which I think is, is powerful. Because I was listening today to a, psycho- a psychologist who's a, someone in the UK, and she was saying that, you know, I'm a psychologist and people think because I'm a psychologist, everything, my life's perfect. Mm-hmm. And it so isn't. No. I suffer with anxiety. I suffer with. And it, again, that normalizes it that, you know, we're, it's how our body reacts to stuff. Yeah. And because we're not educated in it and it's alien to us. Mm. Or we think of it because the stigma makes us think of it as a sign of weakness or something wrong with you. Then we we struggle with it, and that mm. is what causes the turmoil within us and um, starts well that said. cycle of that's right. If, if the if, if we're coming from the baseline of of pain is part of life we stop struggling against it, you know, like that it's not supposed to be perfect. It was never supposed to be perfect. And Um, then it comes and goes like, like happiness does and giggling does and sadness and tears does, you know, (laughs) and what feeling a bit randy. You don't walk around 24 hours a day. You feel randy. It comes and goes. I love it. It's like all emotions. And I think, you know, if we'd have been taught this in school, there's a chance if you get really stressed or if you come out of an illness or if you've had trauma, your body will react like this. And it could be anxiety, your mind or race you can get obsessive about your thoughts. At least you'd have, you know, we'd have a bit of ammo to think, oh, God, yeah, I know what's happening for me without listening and believing what the brain's saying. 
But by the time I, um, for the first 10 years, I, I thought I, I had an illness I'd have forever because my doctor said, you'll have it forever. Don't worry, stay on the pills, you'll be fine. So I left that, that surgery yeah. with that mentality, yeah. you know, that mindset, oh, this is me now. And it was only when the internet was born that I thought, wow, you can actually recover from this because I was never told that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's get educating the kids on this. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Well, and I, it's hard because I don't think it's mutually exclusive that you can't, you'll always have this and you can recover, right? It's it's a weird dialectic to hold, but mm-hmm. I think in the same way that we've been talking about the fact that our brains are sort of yeah. tend, tend towards certain things and that, that proclivity yeah. may exist, that that doesn't necessarily mean that we have no. to be at the whim of it always. Mm-hmm. It was in the 1990s, early 1990s, and it wasn't spoken about. Yeah. You know, so they said, here's the pills, you've got an anxiety disorder and you'll have it for the rest of your life. And yeah, I think you'll have anxiety for the rest of your life was right, but not the disordered part. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Right, not the part where it's just totally debilitating your life. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, do you know, um, I was yeah. um, I was eating a bit of my husband made Christmas cake. He makes it every November, I think. There's a stir up. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's September. He starts anyway. I don't like it, but I was peckish this afternoon, so I had a slice of this Christmas cake. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, I thought of you because it was jam-packed with rum or something like that oh, <laughs> the tiramisu oh, and I was like this tastes funny <laughs> and your alcohol your teetotal as well I know <laughs> I, like I, I need some that. of this Christmas cake that's yeah. hilarious so yeah, ship some over it'll stay nice I'm sure <laughs> yeah. so anyway. are you trying to tell us your sozzle what was that, sweetheart? Are you trying to tell us you're sozzled? Oh, no, no. <laughs> okay, you guys are sozzled. I, I need to watch more British TV, too, because... like a list of all of the I'm writing. I'm, I'm writing them down. I'm really happy about it. I'm it's in all right. The, we that do list. something weird over here where we um, tend to put lots of words on tea towels, and then we get them printed up and give them to people as gifts when we come back from holiday. I love yes. that. Very strange <laughs> thing we do. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so listen, just because I'm curious, when mm. you realized that there was something not quite okay about, about your noodle, who did you turn to? Popcorn Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, you know, my noodle hasn't been this right like it wasn't just OCD first right like I I think it was first recognized it was trauma um so I think the first thing I did was I turned to rebelling Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life because I was always in that box right of like be the, the good kid and the golden child and I was in my 20s and I really late 20s and I really rebelled and then I hit kind of rock bottom where I wasn't able to go to my 
my work and I wasn't able to just function at all, like eat. And, um, I think at some point my grandma's like, Bert, you're going to go to therapy and I'm going to pay for it. And that's a very, I will always be grateful for that because it changed mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a, a place of privilege because yeah. therapy is not accessible to everybody and it's not yeah. cheap. Um, but that's where I went is like, I had to go down pretty, pretty dark paths before I got the help I needed. And then got better. And then I got pregnant and then OCD hits, um, with the beautiful mix of panic and trauma coming back. So asking lots of reassurance from friends and family without even really recognizing, Hey, this is OCD. And I was already working in the world of OCD, (laughs) (laughs) like just in denial about it. This is an OCD. This is real. I should be concerned about this. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's my, that's Lauren popcorn, Mm. popcorn, Lauren. Um, hi, Chrissy, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, I think my introduction or where did I turn when my, when my symptoms started? Yeah. So it's, I mean, I think I like Kelly turned a lot of different places. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was, seven when my symptoms first started. And so I first turned to my parents and, um, my mother had been through therapy herself and was a huge advocate for it. And so she took me to some therapists. Nobody really knew what was going on. Um, but one of the therapists after many, many times going was helpful with the particular theme of anxiety that I had. I had a lot of existential anxiety when I was that age. Um, but I think what happened was my anxiety never went away. Like I, I was prone, like, like we're talking about prone to anxiety and I didn't have tools to navigate it on a larger scale. So then, um, as a teenager, I turned to drinking and smoking cigarettes and then I, I quit those and then I started restricting and developed anorexia. And then I went back to alcohol. So I started jumping around from (laughs) from thing to thing, really just trying to find the answer. I got sober, had the eating disorder flare up again. Then, um, I, then I got hooked on this particular, uh, obsession about having relapsed on a piece of tiramisu. And that's how I found (laughs) CBT ERP and acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness. Um, so that's, I mean, ultimately I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that I turned there and I had a therapist who said, I think you might have OCD. And I had somebody else in my life say, I think you might have OCD. And I'm like, well, this doesn't look like OCD because I was essentially, it was most of it was happening in my head or between friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. do you think I relapsed? Do you think that constitutes real? I mean, everyone in the greater Los Angeles area uh, of AA was asked whether or not they thought that eating a piece of tiramisu constituted a relapse dependent upon one's (laughs) intentions. And how could one know one's intentions about eating a piece of tiramisu? I mean, it's a fascinating disorder, man. (laughs) It's Um, a never a dull moment. Yeah. Yeah. So what a journey for you guys. 
Yeah, amazing. I knew pockets of your stories, but I hadn't appreciated the, the you know. And I love that you're helping others. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's such a gift. That's the dream. Yeah, it's it's really a dream. Yeah. I, again, a point of privilege is it's really expensive to go to school. I'll be paying debt for the rest of my life. Your life. Yeah. But I'll be happy in it. But I find joy in it, you know, and I feel challenged in a good way. And it's part of my recovery. So, yeah. well, and the hope is too that by doing things like this, because you're right, Kelly, with the privilege on both fronts, is that we're offering at least education and a sense of community to people yep. who perhaps can't afford treatment. And we're also working on things behind the scenes to try to support. Uh, treatment being more accessible to people at all levels of income. Get on yes. Nice. So yeah. we, we are going to have to wrap up because I have a child yeah. who's home for the day. Um, but it's been so wonderful speaking with all of you. All day. This could mm. go on and on. And I will say <laughs> this at the conference at the IOCDF conferences back when it was in person, um, I think some of the best conversations that were had were on panels where there were a bunch of therapists and there were one or two people who were not therapists yeah. who had lived experiences because you can have a really deep conversation like this. There's some yeah. therapists who aren't willing and rightfully so there's parts of my story I'm not going to share mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I am somebody that someone might hire as their therapist yeah. and um, I want to have privacy. So it's really cool to see and have, you know, Lisa here. And even though she's not a therapist with the, with the title, right. Is that it, it just opens up a whole new dynamic. So thank you both. Yes. For thank you. Both thank you for here. having us again. And, we'll and Emma. Again. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. And Emma, uh, thank you also for, for bringing both your wisdom and your gorgeous voice that we're all yes, very, yes. Very jealous yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to speak to you separately about this, mm. but I'll just do it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just go. Just, but it's it. to see if um, we could maybe do a script for um, some hypnosis for an OCD something oh, wow. for my YouTube channel. If I write it, maybe you could look over it. Yeah, sure. I know nothing about hypnosis. Me but either. I, I do. So that's my area. And um, I can record it and I can do the voicey side of it and everything. But mm. I just want to do something that's really um, helpful. Very so, so helpful, much more deep because a lot of the um, I write all of my own stuff and a lot of the ready made scripts aren't kind of fit for purpose. Mm. Right. I find so I was wanting to do something that was a bit a bit that's awesome improved yeah, yeah. Um, oh, emma's, emma's handle is uh, the anxiety whisperer with dots in between the words right yep. yeah yeah i took on a name change you're gonna post this though aren't you on your yes yeah, so it will be on so my instagram and then kelly will put it on okay. her instagram and it will be on our youtube and of course the audio will be available across podcast platforms yep um, so thank you so much for joining thank us you. all thank of you out there so and you too and you can do it one day in person i hope so i hope so
hope so too. All right. Thank you. Cheers, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD. 